Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in McHenry, Illinois. Um, We have a lot of topics to cover today and a lot of discussion coming out of our group, which is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. It's a Facebook group. You're welcome to join. We'll try to help you out with any advice we can give you. And we literally have a dozen questions to get to today, and those are ranging from idiopathic epilepsy and how to change the diet to suit that. Um, dentals for an older dog. The owner found his teeth falling out and wants to know what to do next. Uh, we have litter box questions and poop eating questions. So the ever-present and ever-popular, oh my gosh, what am I going to do when my dog eats that? <laughs> I get it. I don't blame you. Anyway, um, so uh, we have, uh, first of all, one thing that we're going to be talking about today is the ultimate mm-hmm. convenience in your home. This is uh, a do-it-yourself dog wash that you can put inside your own house because like 62% of households actually own um, a dog or cat, at least one. I mean, we all know you can almost not just have one. And anyway, um, all of these cats and dogs um, get pretty dirty, especially this time of year when we're converting And we have um, one of our friends is a plumber, uh, Joseph Pedraza. And um, Joseph, are you seeing people starting to ask for special requests like this lately? Uh, Yes, from time to time. uh, There definitely are, and especially uh, it's, I'm getting a lot of these before the wintertime and before we get those heavy spring rains when nobody wants to have their, you know, dog truck through the mud and then, then come running inside the house. Yeah, it's, the biggest mess in the whole wide world because we have four dogs that are doing that and we live on a farm. So there's just a, I don't know, there's just no limit to the housework. I just gave up this morning. I'm like, you know what? I'm coming home at noon and I'm going to clean, but it's going to take me four hours just to clean the one floor of the house because I block them from the other floor because it's just so incredibly dirty. So it's interesting. There have to be a lot of different ways to go about like, are these luxury homes that you're dealing with here? Are these, what kind of houses no. are these? These are no. your, you know, average middle class, nothing super fancy, and people realize the extent of the need. And it, it mm-hmm. ultimately doesn't depend on, you know, size or square footage of the house. If there's a if there's a little closet and you've got a little animal, things could it is definitely possible <laughs> to have the convenience of a little animal wash station. <laughs> <laughs> They'll work anything out, right? Absolutely. Sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so I was looking online to see kind of the, what people are installing, and it looks like there's a few different ways to do it. So you've got um, a shower, a, like a dog shower where you have like the shower tray and like some tile on the wall or something. It's kind of small, like a half shower size. There's a tub or even a sink. I've seen that or even just a simple drain in the floor. So what do you think is like the easiest thing for someone to do? Well, it really will, uh, it'll bring it down to what's the weight of the animal. 
is there an access door hatch that's going to be needed for this animal to easily be able to get into the wash station? Uh, I have uh, done work for ones that are on the floor that, that, that are, it's a tiled surround wash day, you know, pretty elaborate. Uh, oh, that I know sounds that, really nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jim, <laughs> get on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also a great, hey, uh, my birthday is coming up. You can coordinate. Definitely. And there's, <laughs> uh, there's the, the, you know, the plastic tubs, if it's a smaller, you know, four to, you know, 15 pound animal, then some of these smaller plastic tubs, like uh, you're a little bit more designed for, you know, it's more pet friendly than you're just your regular laundry tub. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, those are options there. And there's, it's, it's funny how this, the, the options that are out for people, the ideas on Pinterest, the, you know, the other websites and even, even talking with, yeah. uh, with you guys <laughs> as in what is the need? And there's, there's a there's a hundred one different options, so yeah. it, it will Did break the, down to like where are you. Oh, okay. It breaks down to what? It'll break down to you know what is what does the customer really need? You know, what size mm-hmm. the animal, and then sky's the limit from there. Oh wow, that yeah. sounds really cool. Do you have to do any special remodeling for most of these projects, or is it something and, you could fit right yeah. into a bathroom? Uh, mostly, it 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 will it will require some localized remodeling of of just that area. Uh, the even the, a heated garage. I've done one inside a inside a garage near the where the laundry room. I was actually room. wondering it's about the, that. Oh yeah, and it's it's definitely possible now. But of course, the key the key term is heated garage, because if right. you do have <laughs> water lines. You know, open access into an unheated garage that oh. that can cause a job for me in the middle of winter. So we try oh, to look right, ahead right. at what really is gonna uh, if it if it is good going into a closet. And as long as that there is water lines or drain lines within that local area to keep the cost down, so you're not paying for a mm-hmm. huge remodeling just for a dog wash station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, um, you have your company, Liberty Oak um, Plumbing. I know you guys are really, really busy because it it, you do have quite a waiting list. <laughs> and yeah. you serve the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Um, he actually put in our, um, our ozone therapy system for us. So, um, we, but it was worth, you were worth the wait, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate so, it. Yeah, you guys got some great reviews on so that. So kind of like what are you ballpark estimating if you were to put in, like, say, either, you know, like a small tub shower situation, um, what's a ballpark estimate on adding something like that to a house? Yeah, so a ballpark estimate, not including which, which shower base you guys go for, but just the plumbing aspect and parts cost and labor, your range can be between $700 to $1,200. It will. Oh, that's not so bad. That there really isn't, and that's. From where the water supplies are, and it, it's, it's not always based on, you know, the competency of the plumber. It's based on the material we're working with and what is the closest access point for us to get through. Because that will make it lower part cost, lower labor. So okay. if you go ahead and you include a standard uh, dog wash station, you know, not too fancy, not too elaborate, but something of a good quality. You could be, you know, after taxes, paying three hundred and fifty dollars for. It. So, 
So Oh, that's really that's for the convenience yeah. of having something like that in your home, it's pretty amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Not to mention the wear and tear on your house, you know. Right. Yeah, and you, yeah, the wear and tear. Keep in mind how how sometimes COVID could shut things down and if all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're not able to bring your pet in to be washed. We don't know what the future is yeah. gonna hold. So having that that mm-hmm. wash station, it's it's definitely added convenience twenty four seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can set it up so it doesn't like break your bath, like trying to hang over the bathtub and do it and that kind of thing. So right. that was, uh, exactly. this sounds like a much more um, possible situation than I, I like thought it, it was going to be. Yeah, you know? I really like it. <laughs> All right. That's good that info. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. if you paid me, so if you paid me to clean the house, like I have to, I would have to pay somebody else to clean the house. I mean, literally you could make up for that in a month. Oh yeah. I mean, easily. Yeah, more chair on the floor and, you know, Yeah, everything. yeah. It, the mud Couches, and everything. You get on the couch. Right, or, sit on the couch and there's full of sand because yeah. the dog got up there. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's really fact, cool. Well, I know, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. What I'm is even, even it, to, to go back and mirror what you were saying, not just the cleaning but the shedding. If there is an animal that does oh, yeah. have, yeah. you know, major ma- uh, massive shedding, you know, throughout the seasons, not just the the carpet cleaning or the couch, you know, of, of just dirt. You also have that hair being washed out, you know, you know, washed away and cleaned. So added benefit. Yeah, right, true. Right. true. And that's super important. And there are a lot of dogs, you know, with like skin conditions and stuff that need like regular shampoos and, you know, stuff. And, you, you know, you don't really know that dog is going to have that until after you have it. <laughs> right, right. So if you're constantly going to the groomer or, you know, anything like that, that's a good idea. So very interesting. Thank you so much, uh, Joseph Absolutely. Pedraza. You're a licensed plumber, correct? With correct. Um, Liberty Oak Plumbing <laughs> in the <laughs> northwest suburbs of Chicago. Um, yeah, the licensed plumber, I think, is probably pretty important in this situation, right? Oh, yes, because it's, yeah. There are many, you know, handymen or guys that are, oh, I can do that. I can connect these pipes, but they're they're not following the strict standard of what Illinois mandates. And okay. if it's, you know, quality versus quantity, if it's just, you know, based on cost, there might be things that someone is, certain codes that they're not aware of that could actually harm the water supply of your house or even the drain line. Right. So oh, making sure really? that the plumber is... And the company is a licensed, bonded, insured company because you're cutting into the water supply of the house. You're cutting into the drain line of the house. You're installing oh. things that, you know, licensed by the state of Illinois for public health. Yeah. Well, you don't want to mess any of that stuff up, so definitely uh, <laughs> I, I have some confidence say. in your guy, right? Yeah. Even if you yeah, have to wait I, for him. <laughs> you really... Yeah, we've, we've yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was good to have you on here, and um, surprised to hear that it's so reasonable to put in your own pet wash station. So very cool. Thank you again, Joseph. Not a problem. All right. Take care. (laughs) Bye bye. Thank you. Yeah. So interesting. So I mean, all in all, I mean, if you have a farm dog, you know my pain right now. And that'll go on all year at different times when it's all sloppy and muddy outside. So uh, nobody wants to deal with that. It literally is going to take me all day, yeah. like all afternoon to clean that house. Yeah, because they go, I mean, we, we keep them restricted, but at the same time, they're, they're going on. They still have to come in the house. They're the babies. The house, right? 
I'm going to leave them outside. It's so nice <laughs> to put it right as they come in. Just go right in the shower. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Get on that, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow, for sure. <laughs> Don't cut the sewer line. All right. So, um, another topic today, does your dog actually need a vaccine for Lyme disease? Um, some experts say it might not do any good. And then you've got other people saying you haven't really heard the full story. So what's the reality of the Lyme disease vaccine? It's kind of an interesting topic because Lyme disease, you know, we know there are areas where this is very prevalent in the United States. There are maps that can show you like where the most Lyme disease is. So what do you think is going on here? We've got a vaccine that's been with us for many, many years. Um, Humans actually don't have a Lyme disease vaccine, but pets do. Yeah, pets do. Why not? Why wouldn't a human have it, but a pet would? It, it, I'm not sure. You know, it, uh, it seems reasonable, you know, that if our dogs would have one, that we as humans would have one as well. Mm-hmm. But um, the key point you said there was endemic area. So it, where there's a lot of ticks, there's a consideration for vaccination. But um, it's interesting, the studies that showed that there can be links to it's probably, well, it's the most reactive vaccination, but then also links to maybe creating a Lyme-induced nephritis from the vaccine. Now, there's no evidence and no research on that, but there's information that says maybe it could be seroconvert into a more virulent uh, irritant for the kids. Really? You mean, so. so you could get, your pet could get sick from getting that vaccine? For, certain, uh, for a very small percentage, so probably the most, uh, the main population would be retrievers. So why? they're why the retrievers? most. Well, they're the most susceptible to getting Lyme. Well, why would they get sicker from the vaccine? But uh, genetically, they're most susceptible to getting what they call Lyme nephritis. So uh, if they get Lyme disease, they're more likely uh, a breed to get the more virulent form, which would attack the kidney. So what they found in the studies, but it is possible that even though they are the most susceptible to getting Lyme mm-hmm. and Lyme nephritis, they're the most susceptible population of breeds to react to the vaccine and maybe have a very serious reaction to it. Oh, really? So it's, it's a double-edged sword because obviously retrievers are going to be in areas right. that they're hunting. The guards you know, are so, running all over right. in the woods and all around right. just having a good time. But, you know, even our cats are coming in like... We don't really have too many outdoor cats now because they're too, too lazy. <laughs> yeah. We only have one left, and he's super lazy, so he doesn't really want to go outside anymore, but he gets his way because he's 17 or 18 years old. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he's 18. So, anyway, um, I mean, I've seen these animals come in, and you can't even really – the only reason I could see ticks on them, and they were the little bitty-bitty freckle-sized ticks, so mm-hmm. that's a nymph. Yeah. The only way I could really tell is because we had a white cat at the time. And you'd be like, something, that's weird. What is that? And then you realize, oh, my God, it's a tick. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we're in an area that's kind of bordering or is getting to that endemic stage because it's kind of floating down from Wisconsin down into northern Illinois. So, I mean, it made flea and tick medication extremely important in our house. You know, like the kids wake up, but they're like, I have a tick. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just kind of a little bit scary, especially when you're dealing with that. So how do you know what decision to make? Well, nothing uh, replaces good preventative care. 
so you're going to have, I know there's, there's some controversy about using, you know, the, the flea and tick preventatives, but the alternative is much worse. So using flea and tick prevention is the most important key to minimizing your risk against Lyme. Okay. Um, if there's a, you know, highly endemic area, if you know that you're going like the hunting breeds, for example, we'll have to talk to your veterinarian about whether we should vaccinate. We do vaccinate some of them here and some of them we don't, but even if they're vaccinated, nothing replaces a good preventive program because they don't have long-term immunity from the vaccine. And even if they got Lyme, they don't retain protective antibodies against Lyme again. So they could get it over and over and over again. You could get Lyme disease over and over again. You can, because the, the even pet. for humans. Really? Yeah, because you don't... You're not uh, naturally vaccinated from the exposure, unfortunately, in this particular organism. So Borrelia is a pretty tough organism. And so so we had a dog in here yesterday, and this dog was so sick. It was, um, fever was above 104, mm-hmm. so 101.3 is the normal dog temperature. So you're getting to 104 and above, yeah. we're looking at something pretty serious. And it had some you know, localized the joint pain, and mm-hmm. um, it was really hard to determine what this dog had right off the bat, but that did come up. Lyme did come up as as one of those issues. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, Potential diagnosis, anyway. Yeah, Lyme and uh, certainly uh, blastomycosis. These are a couple of things that come up. Leptospirosis, um, leptospirosis came up. Because there's a German Shepherd. German Shepherd seems to be really susceptible to lepto in this area. And... Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how this one unfolds. We're going to be getting test results here in another day or so. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But um, what are the symptoms of Lyme disease in dogs? Well, most of the time, nothing. But if they're, uh, if you have a, a young pet or even an older pet, for that matter, that has shifting leg lameness, um, maybe had recent tick exposure in front of that, Okay. Uh, most of the time, it's going to be lameness, which is very easily treated um, in very inexpensive medication like doxycycline, for example. Uh, we'll treat that very, very easily. Um, the problem with the nephritis part is that uh, once they're exposed, we should track their kidneys because mm-hmm. that doesn't come on until later. Oh, so if really? they were exposed, then making sure How much that later could you see that? In several months. Oh, really? It could be up to six months from uh, after the original exposure. Yeah. So if what they, do labs look like for a dog with nephritis or a cat with nephritis? We had one case, and uh, it was showing signs of, you know, lethargy, fever, not eating, uh, increased urination, uh, kind of the classic kidney sign. So we're thinking more about leptospirosis than Lyme, but it came back as uh, Lyme positive. And uh, what would the normal numbers look like? What are you dealing with, like BUN, creatinine? Tell me about that. BUN is blood urea nitrogen, and creatinine is the uh, the the glomerular filtration rate is how much blood flow goes to the kidney. So those two parameters are what we track. And uh, normal kidney values for urea run between about ten and thirty. Uh, and then, uh, as far as creatinine, usually uh, somewhere between uh, roughly one to two is would be the average uh, range for creatinine. 
So when those numbers start to go up, it, there's concern about uh, exposure, especially mm-hmm. in young dogs. But older dogs, there could be kidney disease that we have to think about, Addison's disease, those mm-hmm. things. But uh, far and away, you know, if there is exposure and they're, they've been sick, really tracking the kidneys. Problem is, it may show up just as a routine blood test and the pet didn't have any signs at all. Oh, really? And oh, you won't know God. that they're exposed. I mean, how do you tell through a hairy dog? Yeah, you really, you can you know. sometimes. I mean, people don't even know they're exposed and we don't have any hair, at least not that much. Right? <laughs> not most of us. I don't know. I can't speak for everyone. But. <laughs> okay, so um, back to the vaccine. How effective is this vaccine? Well, uh, in most studies, they say it's about 70% effective and it only lasts up to a year, so you have to revaccinate every year. Okay. And um, it's probably, as I mentioned earlier, the most reactive of all the vaccines because it's, it's more of a Bactrim, uh, and that the Bactrims are more reactive than, than the viral vaccine. So we've talked about how effective it is, how safe it is. Um, so what do you do uh, for people? What do you do when people ask you? Well, well, I mean, you go through it every time with everybody. Yeah. If you think, you know, and because of COVID, we kind of had to stop handing out so much paperwork because, you know, germs and everything. Yeah. So, um, kind of, kind of don't, you know, have to do it verbally now with the um, vaccine analysis and the risk assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what do, what do you say? Like, it's a good vaccine. It's, it, it is or it isn't. I mean, if you use tick prevention you promise to use it the entire summer and not let it go. I mean, I don't know. What do you say? Well, uh, vaccine doesn't replace good prevention. Okay. You know, so first of all, vaccine risk assessment. Where are they going to go and what are they going to do? And if it changes suddenly and you're going to do more parks and recreation and things like that, Mm -hmm. we do have to consider that. Um, If you're still pulling off ticks after prevention and you're worried, then a vaccination is probably warranted to give you a little extra protection. But there is a deep conversation with the owners to say um, there is a vaccine risk of reaction. There's a rare, mm-hmm. serious risk to the kidneys. Uh, in, so we do have it's, to be... It's pretty rare. Pretty rare. Less than 1%. Yeah, very rare. But uh, Like any vaccine, there is a risk. Right. The owner says, well, what if I'm at 1%? Well, I mean, yeah. you could walk outside <laughs> and get struck call. by lightning. You right, know? right. So it's, it's kind of like that lightning call that says, probably not going to happen, but, you know, you do have to protect your pet the best you can without, you know, above all, do no harm. You know, so we don't want to harm them with the vaccine, but we don't want them out there un- you know, Getting unprotected. Sick. Right. Right. Because it is a lifelong journey with that. It, it can be, for with sure. With Lyme disease. Yeah. So in endemic regions... Lyme disease negative dogs should be vaccinated, correct? According to uh, Dr. Goldstein, uh, who was one of the experts in this uh, particular story, felt that, in, in, and that's a large population of vet clinic or veterinarians, I say, in veterinary clinics that think that endemic areas, uh, dogs that are not positive should be vaccinated. Okay. And then, okay, pos- Lyme disease positive dogs in an endemic area with no clinical signs of disease, should be vaccinated, according to him. Right. And the reason is, is that, you know, you don't get natural protective immunity and you don't get long-term protective immunity from the vaccine. So as long as they're not showing signs, um, 
they should be considered for vaccination as well. Okay. All right. And then um, annually, this happens once a year, every six months? Uh, once a year. Once a year. Um, initially, you should probably get the initial shot and booster the first time uh-huh. and then annual reboostering uh, each year. Okay. All right. There is some information here, too, in this article. It comes from today's veterinary journal. Um, and it says that, you know, they did have a human Lyme vaccine, but here it says that um, that was approved and everything, and they decided it was just unsuccessful. So they stopped doing the human vaccine. So that's what happened there. So didn't actually protect anybody, uh, apparently. That's what they say. So anyway, um, so that's the deal with the um, vaccine for Lyme disease. Definitely talk it over with your doctor. See what your doctor says, of course. And then it just doesn't replace flea and tick prevention. No. So for our dog, that flea and tick, because we need something that's pretty seriously bulletproof. And so for us, that's Revecto. A lot of people don't like that. It's an isozazoline. Um, you can look up and listen to some of our past episodes that talk about isozazoline. You know, I mean, they are what they are. Some people are saying, you know, my dog got really sick off of a nisazazoline product. Um, other people are like, whatever, uh, it, my dog's never been sick. We did have, um, interestingly enough, we, after five years of never hearing a thing about it, we did have a puppy who um, that puppy, like, had some kind of reaction, like, a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. So I did finally hear that about an isozazoline-type product. Uh, I don't remember the product that the puppy had at the moment. I don't think it was Provacto because I think it was too little for that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, something that it had. But anyway, if you're looking into it, just look that up. Don't, I mean, necessarily get all the scare tactics and everything. That's a lot of that going around on the Internet. Well, I mean, of oh, course. Right. <laughs> in everything, there's a scare tactic, right? And an opposite uh, to, you know, a truth and an untruth and whatever. But you just have to decide for yourself. And to me, ticks are a lot more scary. And uh, let's face it, they've been... The uh, last one of the dinosaurs they discovered, yeah, actually found a tick on this dinosaur. <laughs> oh, really? So they've been around since <laughs> the dinosaurs. Around so the dinosaurs. and they're going to continue to be here. So yeah. it's just you can't necessarily them. freeze them out either. Just because you had winter, they no. can still live in their nests, especially if your winter was mild. That happened here a couple of years ago, and it was like an explosion by spring yeah. of ticks. It was insane. Yeah, they were almost like fleas because they were oh, covering you know, room yards. It didn't matter. You yeah. know, I used to think that it was And owners coming in. <laughs> I felt so bad for them. They would come yeah. in with a dog with like 35 ticks on it. You're like, okay, let's get to work and try to get all these out of here. But right. that was a crazy year. Crazy. It was a couple of years ago. But um, I think this year we've probably taken care of it with our million days below zero. <laughs> yeah, we had a deep freeze, so that should, yeah. should slow them down. Yeah, it should. Okay. Um, I think we're going to take a little break really quick here, and then we come back. We had so many questions that you guys have asked, and so we're going to answer those. And also, um, there's a new University of Illinois study that shows promise in using um, something pretty common to heal GI and gut issues. So we'll talk about that when we come back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Get ready to go inside the lives of some of the top recording artists the music industry has known. Join host Troy Bronstein every week as he becomes a prince among queens. Troy discusses the careers and past, present, and future projects from these artists. And if there's time on each show, you just might hear some performance gems as well. Listen for Prince Among Queens every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. So we have a lot of questions from our Facebook page, and it's a group, actually. So it's called Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. It's on Facebook. You can join us. We'll try to help you out. We have a lot of questions to get to today. We'll talk about those in just a moment. First. The University of Illinois has done a groundbreaking study in milk prebiotics. They call them the cat's meow. <laughs> so that's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah. um, this is by Lauren Quinn, who's writing for the university. Um, and she says that um, there's this new thing, there's this new trend in human baby formula about human milk oligosaccharides. And it's in infant formulas, these complex carbohydrates um, mimic human breast milk, and act like prebiotics, boosting beneficial microbes in babies' guts. Well, they did this study as well. Um, it's kind of the first one of its kind um, that was like a big study, not just like a couple animals here and there. And they found um, dog and cat milk 
oligosaccharides, so they had dog and cat milk that they used for this. It provided a better understanding of how milk meets the nutritional needs of newborn kittens and puppies, but how it helps promote gut immunity and establish a healthy gut microbiome community early in life. Very interesting study because that's the first day, really very important part of the baby's life uh, for colostrum. Uh, because the GI tract is open for absorption, so it goes directly into the system uh, and provides immunity and, and uh, really, really good nutrition. Um, after that, it depends on the mother's milk, but also as they're growing and developing nutritional, uh, you know, as far as developing that microbiome is really important. Um, the first year of life, mm-hmm. you know, really getting that right because that can set the stage for later problems because the microbiome is like a little mini brain. So brain yeah. gut connection. Okay. So it's also um, intimately linked with the neurohormone, so the adrenal gland, um, the pancreas and gallbladder and the brain. Um, it is responsible for craving. Really? So those little uh, community of microbes in there are really communicating hunger and mm-hmm. communicating what was good and bad, you know, how did that go, don't eat that again. Uh, it's always important to a baby. It's always important to a baby. Yeah. And then, so they get really worried, like, if a baby doesn't eat, like a baby horse, a yeah. baby cat or dog. Like, if that's not eating, you have a real problem. You do, because there's certain uh, bacteria in the gut, if, it's, if that GI tract isn't moving, mm-hmm. are very, very toxic, um, especially E. coli, um, essential for other is that what would make them septic? Right. Oh, really? Because that, uh, it's called small uh, intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Okay. And so if that gut's not moving, that the gut can get colonized by bad bacteria. Oh. Uh, can make them very, very sick. So it's important to keep that colony in balance oh, uh, okay. at all stages of their life, including adulthood. But it's surprising that the problems stem a, a lot of uh, allergies and things like that can stem from you know, just proper nutrition and, and how that those microbes are, are formulated. Mm. So if a dog has a litter of puppies and they're weaned too early, does that set them up for some problem later in life? They can. Uh, really good milk replacers now, but they they're, it's not the same thing as the natural mother's milk. Yeah. You know, but maybe products like this uh, can change that philosophy and getting closer to something that's more like Blastrum yeah, and more that's like mother's milk. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, this is kind of going to be um, an interesting study to see how it comes out and if there's yeah. supplementation and if there's anything you can do for adult pets. Sounds like even the cats like it. They were going crazy in the study <laughs> for it. So <laughs> they're finicky. Aww, <laughs> they're very finicky. A New York Times article shows that family dogs match their movements to those of the children they live with, according to a new study of young people and their pets. In the study, pet dogs moved when their accompanying children did and remained still when they stopped. It's a physical synchrony that often signals emotional bonding. That's so sweet. It is. I love that. <laughs> it's not something I, I guess I've actually noticed in person, but probably take a look now. Yeah. Yeah. So an interesting study coming out from the New York Times. And uh, there's actually a study, according to that, that I did send to you, too. Wonderful human-animal bond. It starts young and continues throughout life. Yeah, totally. All right. So um, we're going to get to some of our questions now. There are a lot of them, so let's just uh, get started with 
uh, the top here of Kathleen's question from our Holistic Vet Advice page. Uh, it's actually a group on Facebook, and you can join it anytime you want. So she says, I have a silly question. I have a female alpha kitty that just has to go in the litter box every time I clean it. It drives me absolutely <laughs> insane. <laughs> it's like she waits for me and watches for me to clean the box and then goes there to mark her territory. Is that what it is? Well, it, it's just, for the most part, just a very clean bathroom. And they like that. And they're going to go in and, and oh, go to the bathroom. Oh, so she wants to do that first. Do that first. So that would be the first reason. Uh, territory kind of depends if you have multi-cap, you know, maybe that is possible to get the first dibs on the, the clean <laughs> litter pan. Litter <laughs> but uh, the litter pans like the porta potty. You know, you want it as clean as possible, and you yeah, you want to be the first you one. Be in the there. first person of the day. Right, right. Take over. <laughs> right. So I think that's why they, that's why they do it. Ah, yeah. okay, all right. So interesting. Okay, um, a lot of people saying they have also the same problem as you. So. I don't yeah, know. We have it could be a little behavioral. When I clean it, they get right in there. They get right. I know. They always Chucky. want to check it out, see if there's anything new in there. Yeah, little Chucky's the first one. Chucky? Yeah. <laughs> Chucky is on our Chucky Buck. Chucky Bucks are, you can use them in our pet store. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we're going to have online pet store shopping pretty soon. Um, we're working on a website right now to put a bunch of products on there. So if you're listening and you would like a Chucky Buck, just let me know and I will get you one uh, for when we start the online shopping. You can use it there. It's $5 off. He's pretty Very cute cool. on there, too. Yeah. Okay, so um, Michelle says she has a nine-and-a-half-year-old miniature poodle, and recently I noticed he lost two front teeth on the top row and one next to it's very loose, and it will be falling out next. I brushed his teeth in the past, but not consistently. He loved to play with toys squeaky, plush animals, balls and bones, and love to chew. He has some tartar and gingivitis. What can I do? Would a dental help? I thought he was in pretty good health for his age, but now I'm really concerned. Yeah, dental health is so important for longevity and health. Um, but lifestyle, you know, the type of cues and the type of activity that they do, especially the front teeth, are probably the most susceptible to damage, but also losing the teeth as well, especially as the pets get smaller. Um, pets that are under 30 pounds are at the greatest risk for developing periodontal disease, which is a lifetime disease problem, um, very similar to kidney or liver disease. The, it sounds like in this case that maybe if they're um, using the type of toys where they're pushing those front teeth a lot, is actually you can damage the periodontal ligaments and, uh, and oh, cause really? teeth to loosen up. I heard that tennis balls are really bad too. They're, they're not a good idea. They're fun, obviously, but because of the texture of the, of the outer coating of the, of the tennis ball, it tends to wear down so they're the abrasive. enamel. Yeah, they're abrasive, uh, especially if they carry them in the front part of their mouth. But even on the side, it can do it as well. So uh, getting a thorough oral physical exam done, getting a, the grading score is zero is perfect, uh, up to five, which is very severe periodontal disease, loose teeth. Uh, but I thought it was dogs. four. Yeah, but they've added five because they? the severe yuck mouth, which I had a case the other day of that. It was oh, yeah. severe. Oh, and you're talking severe yuck mouth? Oh, yeah. you've never seen anything like it until you've seen it under anesthesia. Cause this, is like, this is like a common communication issue with clients is they'll be like, this is not that bad as breast stinks. But then, you know, 
you can't really see it. The dog's not going to let you open its mouth and see everything like a human would. No. And, you know, and it can bite and, you know, just get mad at you. But when you open that mouth and you start really looking around, oh, my gosh. You'd be surprised because the, the type of food they eat, the type of chews they play with, you know, they're in the, obviously, the different breeds. The, um, the brachiocephalic dogs, you know, like your Boston Terrier, for example, uh, just they very the, the jaw shape is enough to get them uh, to have dental problems mm-hmm. because of alignment issues. You know, they can have... Uh, and their a, mouths are like, their mouths like don't go straight out like a German yeah. Shepherd would. Their mouth goes like in a triangle shape. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think that is also a big problem. But the little dogs and teeth, so she's got a poodle. Chorky is like a Yorkie, um, <laughs> our dog, Chorky. And like she has, is constantly losing teeth. I think yeah. she's, she must be around 12 or so. Yeah. I don't really know. We don't know her age, but um, 12 or 13 years old now. And um, all of her front top teeth are gone. All of her bottom teeth are gone. And then she's losing a lot of molars. And pretty much every time you've had to do surgery on her, you've had to pull that out. And even in six months, her teeth look terrible. Yeah. So it's just little dog mouth. It's a little dog mouth. And, and their, their biofilm and, and saliva quality especially uh, is, seems to be much less quality than other dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and it's because of what they call the increased surface area. So um, surprisingly, they have a, a, a higher surface area for tooth than a big dog. Oh, they do? And so that's why it, it attacks more of their their small teeth and get into oh. periodontal ligaments much oh, easier. Oh, really? Uh, the other factors that a big dog is usually uh, less apt to have those teeth close together. Mm-hmm. Where the small breed dogs, those teeth are sometimes just you know, almost crooked or yeah, in there. Yeah, crooked. They yeah. have the same amount of teeth as the big dog does. But it's in a much smaller space, and it doesn't yeah. mean the teeth are always going to fit it. Right. Right. Like, like could have yeah. used braces. His were so crowded and yeah. overlapping and everything. And, uh, you know, he had the upside down smile and the whole right, deal. Right, right. Same huh. thing. Yeah. Okay. So um, our next question is from Tammy. She says, I have a dog with idiopathic epilepsy and I've decided to do a homemade diet. What would be a good recipe? Or how do I decide how much meat, vegetables, grains, and then how much do I feed her, you know, like the weight and the pounds? I am getting overwhelmed by all the different products out there that she refuses to eat after a time or three. So <laughs> there are a lot of, there are some finicky dogs out there. Yeah. And we have to avoid rosemary, she said, and always avoid dyes. Well, back to the microbiome, we have to start there. And I would probably uh, have a study of the microbiome. Uh, there is a company uh, called Animal Biome or Team Biome that you can send a sample of the, of the stool sample to okay. them and actually get a DNA uh, readout of what type of bacteria are in the gut. Because, uh, let's face it, dogs should not necessarily be finicky. They may not like every food that's placed in front of them, but that's the first thing that bothers me is that you got a finicky dog that doesn't like uh, food for very long, for one thing. And then, two is going to more fresh food. Dogs are more apt to continue eating when it's fresh than when it's processed. Okay. Okay, so standard um, is about 1% to 2% of the body weight twice a day okay. feeding a raw fed or homemade type diet. Okay, so uh, for a 10-pound dog, a pound? 
of food twice a day? That would be like uh, almost an uh, like an oh, ounce. Oh, one to two. Okay. Yeah, so point one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the reason you do the math, right? Yeah. Oh. So if you get a 10-pound dog, that's five kilograms. And, there you go. Uh, you know, times, or, or basically you could take 10 pounds times 0.1, and that's an ounce, or right. two ounces. So one to gotcha. two ounces twice a day would be a reasonable And then amount. what's the ratio? Because you use a little bit different ratio than some of the other, you know, I mean, there's 50 million websites and 50 million opinions right. on rough eating. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you can use a third, a third, and third. So a third protein, uh, and then a third of a vegetable source, and a third of a grain source, uh, something like that. Um, if we're talking about epilepsy, uh, the Chi Institute has put together a really good food therapy manual. Okay. A lot of wonderful recipes in here. Um, so we can customize the recipe for you. Right. And we've done that before, actually. We have other cases of idiopathic epilepsy that just weren't getting better, and you know, using some herbs and using some of that, um, you know, worked. And then using just regular conventional medicines, too. So Yeah, the big thing that helps with epilepsy is just going to fresh food, number one. But then also um, the, the type of proteins we use really depends on the, the pattern. Because, uh, for example, if we have liver cheese stagnation with liver yang rising, an internal perfusion of phlegm fire, that's one pattern of epilepsy. And there, in this book, there's like literally dozens of patterns. Yeah. So you have, to, all the patterns. you have to determine the pattern to determine the actual thing. And, and by that, you would have to do an exam. So yeah. um, if you have a holistic vet in your area, um, definitely uh, do that. Okay. So um, try to find somebody who's been, well, you know, you do the Qi Institute, you've been to the traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. So that's what he's patterning off of right there. So yeah. that's what that is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why does my cat roll around in a clean or dirty litter box? Is it fun? Yeah. That's, is that about it? It's kind of the mystery, you know, <laughs> because you're the cat behavior. But it is mark, a, a way of marking, but it's also a way of getting marked. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, if it's dirty or clean, uh, sometimes I like the feeling of that. You know, it's kind of a rougher surface. But most importantly, it's a marking type behavior. Okay. And then the final question we have time for today is why do dogs eat number two? It's so gross. Are they missing a vitamin or something? And that's from Jody. <laughs> it's a very common problem for the years. All the time. Yeah. Get this question a lot. Yeah. And it's... Um, the, the most common reason is that they, their GI tract is set up so they're either recycling the bacteria in the stool. Um, some would say that it's a more natural behavior as puppies to mark, like the mother dog would, would clear the, the area mm-hmm. of waste to protect the puppies. But far and away, it's usually something to do with the microbiome. There again, the microbiome, sends the message to the brain on craving. So if they're craving that, it must mean that there's a gut issue. Okay. <laughs> so changing the, the behavior, there's products like Forbid or something like that to change the taste of the stool, rarely works. Um, but that's You can try it. Adolf try it. tenderizer, meat tenderizer. Mm-hmm. But isn't it just like something they did in the wild? It is. It's, it's a natural instinct to do that. Um, if, 
if they had more herbivorous uh, stool available, like a horse or a rabbit, they'd probably eat that instead. Oh, really? You know, but uh, but there again, um, having its uh, you know, stool uh, DNA tested to see what kind of flora is in there would be a really good idea because that try to balance it out. Yeah, okay. and maybe going to more fresh food would be the right. answer as well. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, everybody. We appreciate it. You can get in touch with us at um, our Facebook group, Holistic Bed Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. And uh, anytime you guys want to uh, want to ask a question, we'll try to help you out. We'll help you here and we'll help you on the page. And I like it because a lot of other people step in and help as well. Yeah. Good opinions and good, you know, responsible and solid holistic advice. So anyway, thanks for joining us today. and We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening this week to awesome woo woo holistic vet advice please join your host dr jim and kristen carlson again next thursday morning at 8 a.m pacific time and 11 a.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel now go make some time with your best friend